I'm telling you that Bigfoot film is real. It's real. I believe it. I will believe okay. it. You can, there's nothing you could ever say to change my mind. Okay. <laughs> do you do you believe it's real? Um, I believe that there's some there's like a film that was made. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Hines. You guys, welcome to part two of our coverage of Sasquatch. I'm so obsessed. Yeah. And hey, what's everyone doing in two days? Huh? What are you doing this Thursday? You guys come to our virtual live show. It is going to be all the shenanigans of our regular live shows. It's a placeholder until we can get back to meeting you guys in person, but it's going to be so fun. We're covering Unraveled, the Long Island serial killer from Discovery Plus. We're having special guests. We've been going over the shenanigans. Uh-huh. We're finally doing True Crime Obsessed Bingo. You guys, it's going to be bananas. I know. Finally, finally, finally. So it's this Thursday, May 20th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And if you can't make 8.30 Eastern, it's available for 48 hours. So just wanted to remind you that you can get the ticket. If you're like, oh, 8.30, I have this thing. Don't worry about it. Watch it later. Watch it the next day. Yeah, you can still watch it. Come support us. Be with us. Hang out with us. It's going to be so fun. Also, you guys, if you're looking for more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon. At the $5 level, you get over 200 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. Download and binge, not download a bitch. Download and Bench. But also download a bitch, you guys. You know what I mean? Down, just, just download her, <laughs> you know? It's where we do our long-term series shows. Everything from Night Stalker to I'll Be Gone in the Dark to The Vow to The Staircase and Serial. The Jinx. We just did Murder in the Bayou. Yes. Uh, Heaven's Gate. Tiger King. Don't F with Cats. All, all the favorites. All the bonus con, you guys. Girl, tell me one fun thing from your life. One fun thing from my life. Um, Fiona needs a new collar she's growing up so fast. She's just like, she's got legs for days, but she's like growing out of everything. She's growing like a weed, my little sweetheart. Are you going to get her in the side door to the best doggy college available? Oh yeah, no question. No, she's a genius. (laughs) She's gifted. (laughs) She really is beautiful and smart. It's crazy. (laughs) A chip off the old block. girl what are we talking about today so we are finishing up our coverage of sasquatch on hulu so this is the second half of episode two and then all of episode three yeah so it starts out with david our journalist like the guy that we're following around Mm -hmm. just as a little recap this guy was on a pot farm in 1993 in like northern california where some crazy dude came in and said that he just saw three dead bodies that bigfoot my best friend had ripped limb from limb like bigfoot literally killed these three people and he's going back and trying to figure out if that really happened and if that didn't happen did these three guys really die and if Bigfoot my best friend didn't do it who did it so I've got a question for you at the start yes he's meeting up with an informant this is the other thing about this series that I don't get nobody wants their identity revealed then just like call over the phone it's so much work in post production (laughs) to do the voice and the face like just you know what I mean or just write a fucking letter about what you have to say then don't participate then I gotta say like remember when we did Dirty John and like Tara's sister Jacqueline was like in shadow but you could 100% see what she looked like like you could like and she didn't disguise her voice no I could like pick her out of a lineup and and legitimately have I feel like they really committed Hulu really committed to the the voice change (laughs) it's like that terrifying voice from like Unsolved Mysteries that haunts my nightmares well you said you're making a documentary you want to talk It's terrifying. Yeah. And so before we get into this informant, though, Dave says, look, this is a conversation for therapy, but like criminals like me. My whole career as a journalist has been built upon the fact that for reasons that I don't care to examine too closely, criminals feel very comfortable with my presence. (laughs) And I feel very comfortable around criminals. I'm comfortable. They're comfortable. It's a thing I can do. I've done it with the Nazis and the meth heads, and I'm doing it with these Bigfoot people and maybe murderers. And here's the thing, though. At first, Uh it sounded a little self-congratulatory to me, and then I realized that it comes from a really fucking dark place in his life, and then my mind got completely blown. Because when we find out what this guy is actually kind of famous for, I am 
totally obsessed with it. And I did not make the connection that it's the same guy. Mm -hmm. So this guy, David Holdhouse, is a writer. He's like an investigative journalist. And they're going through his archive of materials, but he's like... I mean, the fuck, the most, the most famous story that I ever reported and wrote was called Stalking the Boogeyman, which was about destroying a real monster that had done something monstrous to me. The podcast This American Life did a whole episode about this story that David wrote like a decade ago about like a real thing that happened to him and I was obsessed with it. They turned it into a play that they did a couple years ago off Broadway. Like I am obsessed with this guy's story and basically David tells us something really awful. This is a trigger warning for sexual abuse about children. Yes. We're not going to get into it and we never do this but we're just going to say give your kids a screen, put their headphones on, pull over. This is not for children. Yeah. As a seven year old, David was raped by his babysitter and mm -hmm. as an adult, they don't really get into it in, the, in this documentary but like I just know the story as an adult he finds the guy who did it to him and stalks him and considers killing him yeah like there's highlighted text and the highlighted text yeah. of this piece says I had a gun a silencer and a plan I mean he was stalking this horrible person who deserves to die yeah essentially and Dave's like I'm gonna be the one to do it I have a plan and a yeah. silencer and a gun and he doesn't do it instead he like confronts the guy and they have a conversation yeah. it is amazing I'm gonna find the episode of This American Life I'm going to put it in the show notes. Go find, like, you really liked David, and I kind of liked David until we got to this, and then I was like, oh, I love this guy. He's, like, a really great writer. He is, and David's whole thing, and it gets sprinkled in throughout. He's like, I want to get the monsters. I chase monsters, and yes. it started with this real-life monster in his life doing something horrible to him, and then the monsters might be, like, the Nazis or Bigfoot. Here's the thing. I'm going to, I have one piece of feedback for David, and then we'll move on, and I'll go right back to his gorgeous hair. He says it too many times. You know what I I mean, it's like a catchphrase. Stalking monsters was a recurring theme for me. If I decided you were a monster, I was coming for you, and nothing was going to turn me aside. You were done. I get the monsters. I find the monsters. If you're a monster, I'm coming for you. He says it too many times. That's all. That's it. Also, Bigfoot's not a monster. You know what I mean? She's not a monster. I'm into it, though. Because I just, like, want all the rapists to just, you know what I mean? Objectively, I understand what you're saying, but I just believe in it. Yeah. I believe in what Dave's saying more than I might believe in Sasquatch. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so now we're at Boomers. We're at the bar. We're back where we left off with this informant who, of course, doesn't want to be seen or heard right. or whatever. And David meets with the informant and some other people. I don't know if Dave knew that, like, all four people were coming with him. Yeah. But they get back in the car and they're going to Spy Rock Road. And we were talking about Spy Rock Road last week. But this is like that really scary road where just bad shit happens all the time. And this is where that triple murder either by Bigfoot or a person happened. And this is also like the area that's run by the Hells Angels. Did I say that right? You did. You Yes, the you said it right. But don't say it too much. Okay. <laughs> I don't want them to. Yeah. We don't want them on to us or anything. But like David is in the car and he's like recording stuff with his like phone video camera. And he does not mm -hmm. feel super safe. Like he's a little bit nervous. No, he should because and you can barely understand it. So we'll translate it for you. Yeah. They have closed captions because you can't understand these people. But the informant's like, I have stories you wouldn't believe, like murder stories, scandalous yeah. shit. He goes, someone could disappear here and no one would know. And then he starts dropping the N-word, oh the son of a God. bitch. Oh my God. Not David, the informant guy. Yeah, yeah, the informant, the yeah. informant. Not our David. Yeah. No, he yeah. would never. And so, although he probably had to when he was undercover as a neo-Nazi. He probably said uh, the anti-gay F-word. Uh. Like all day. Ugh, Dave. So <laughs> this guy starts dropping the n-word and dave essentially like translates what the informant says he's like i was up with uh old time grower she told me a story about these guys from la you know and they got killed and buried up there and she said like one of her dogs went out and found their boots one day then one day they were just killed and buried and a woman's dog found their boots the informant's like well they shouldn't have been messing around up here and dave goes well, am I safe here? And the guy goes, yeah, well, you're not doing what they were doing. And I said, what, like being black? And so Dave is like, yes, Jillian, thank you for mentioning it. Yes, yes. The whole point of this story is to tell us two things. Number one, you can get killed for nothing up on Sky Creek. What's this, What's the road called? Sky Rock? It's Spy Rock Spy Road. Oh, my Rock God. Road. You can get killed for nothing up on Spy Rock Road. And also, there is a big racism problem. I mean, it's America, so there's a big racism problem. But mm -hmm. it's especially pronounced in this area. I mean, this is a place where overt racism is as widespread as it is anywhere in the country, including the Deep South. 
Okay. Back. And that was, if anything, even more the case in 1993 when these three guys from Mexico were supposedly killed. This is where we learn that there's like a big discord, apparently, in this area between the white people and the Latino people. And somebody says that like the town is basically segregated between the whites and the Latinos. It's ghost dance because he's like, oh, uh, yeah, you, you, they think they're all about enlightenment up here, more like enlightenment. And I'm like, fuck yeah, ghost dance. Did he say that? I missed yes, it. Yes, he said more like enlightenment. Oh. oh, we'll play it. Up here, they put on this wonderful, we're enlightened we're spiritual no this is enlightenment up here the tension between latino people and white people in northern california is huge ghost dance just as a reminder is high as a kite the whole time he's very stoned Uh, the whole time he has the little sasquatch stuffed animal that again is very cute (laughs) so we learned that in the 80s the guys the people up at spy rock road started hiring these like mexican workers to like tend their farms and remember the people who are the back to the natures or whatever what do we call them back to the landers yes (laughs) the back to the landers all of them are here to say those workers that were hired were incredibly hardworking. that like they were 20 years older than everybody else and they were out working them all day long they're just trying to make money and send that money back to their families but they were treated fucking terribly and they were treated as like disposable people yeah so then like these commanders who were there to just dismantle the weed but leaving the heroin and crack on the streets those guys the people from camp right and not the gay movie from the early 2000s Exactly. (laughs) But it's like the corporation of dismantling weed or whatever you want to call it. And these guys are like, yeah. The perception of some of the public was that the marijuana growers and the marijuana business in general were uh, love child, uh, hippie type of operations, nothing to worry about, no danger involved. In 92 and 93, when we began to see the more of the violence, uh, the weaponry, the booby traps, we you know, knew now that we were up against something a little different. A lot of people thought the weed was grown by these super nice hippies, but yeah, no, there were booby traps and AR-15s and all this shit, and the hippies are like, no, no, no. People started bringing harder drugs up there because they would do all these uppers to guard the weed. So all of this shit, they were like, no, 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 don't be racist. It wasn't the Mexican guys bringing the hard shit. It was the weed farmers who were forced into the situation, and then they get addicted to fucking meth because they have to stay up all night to defend the weed that should be fucking legal and left alone. But also, jobs at the mall exist. I said it last episode. I know. Maybe we don't I care know. so much about growing the drugs. You know what I mean? Maybe we just go and we get a job at the mall and we take care of our families and we have a nice life and no one's got to get addicted to meth to stay up all night to guard the pot. That's illegal anyway and shouldn't be illegal but is. And like, is there just... Is there not a better way, GP? Is there not a better way? I say it every time. There's got to be a better way, but it's quite a domino effect when you put it that way. Yeah. The meth to guard the drugs, to guard the... Yeah, it's just like, I know. God, I know. aren't you tired? I'm exhausted. I am exhausted. Open a home daycare. No, just kidding. I did that once. I had to shut it down after two weeks. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. And so on top of this, they're like, remember, you're just living in the middle of nowhere, focused on one thing. You kind of forget that real life and society exists. So you'd go into town and it's like loud and bright and there are, I don't know, rules. And so people sometimes couldn't handle it. And they're like, some of our back to the landers are like, oh, I had friends who would just like disappear into the woods for months and come back and then they'd be like feral animals. They wouldn't really understand how society worked anymore. You want to know what I wrote, GP? You want to hear my joke? Yes. When you move into the woods to make the drugs, you either find the Sasquatch or become the Sasquatch. (laughs) What a good throwback. When did I say that? What episode is that? I don't remember. It was a camping episode because, oh, it was Unsolved Mysteries when they found the skull behind the church. Yeah. When you go camping, you either find the skull or you become the skull. I then again, I think someone said that on one of our lives and you were like, oh, that's a funny thing. I was like, it was in an episode. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. And th- that guy, Razor, that we met in the last episode, like, he keeps saying the word traumatized. I mean, someone doesn't have to be an amphetamine addict to you know, have been out in the woods maybe too long and been traumatized by being out there and fearing for their lives. The lifestyle that they have to live to do this is so isolating, and there's so much trauma. And meth. And meth and hard drugs. Like, the whole thing about this area was it started out as this, like, hippie commune to, like, have the one kerosene lamp and the and the, and the homeschool. You describe it like it's the Oregon Trail. You describe it like it's the 1800s. I know. It's the 1840s. I know. I know. But, like, when people realized how much money they could make, they went there and did it. And then when they had to do it even more in secret, it took such a personal 
emotional toll on these people. Razor is talking about these people going into their marijuana sheds and making all of this money, never being able to spend it, and then dying of a drug-induced heart attack at the age of like 55. It's just, guys, jobs at the mall are a real thing. (laughs) And Razor's like, people became a little unhinged, and I think that's where these Sasquatch stories come from. I feel like all the Sasquatch stories I ever heard emanates from that traumatic feeling of like, I might not belong here and something is going to take me out. When he breaks it down, it's really not that far of a leap. Excuse me! How are you just going to say that to me like it's nothing? (laughs) I'm sorry that I took that tone, but Sasquatch being real is a thing I'm really invested in. I know that, and I want it to be real for you. I don't know how... God, Steve, how do you do this? He just doesn't listen. I know. I am on your side, 100%. Uh-huh. But don't fucking tell me that's not a guy in a suit on that stupid tape. Give me a- It's not. There's evidence. Look, you're making me promote Strange and Unexplained again. Go listen to our Bigfoot episode. It's not a guy in a suit. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> I love you. I love you and I love doing this with you. And I love that you know, I love that you, I love that you're tolerating me through this. This is really hard, you guys. Because it is a good point that like people are just going crazy. And like, I hate to say it, but we really eventually do find out where these Sasquatch stories come from and it's not real. It's not like from actual Sasquatch. Which at once is disheartening because I want Sasquatch to be real but at the same time I like it because the way these people talk about Sasquatch I can't imagine that if she is real she's actually like that. This is what I was saying. If she, since she's real, she's not violent. Right. She doesn't care. She wants to be left alone. Yeah. Leave her alone. And she doesn't stink. And if she does, we love her anyway. Right. Back off. If you lived in the woods by yourself in a fucking cave or whatever, you would smell like you. that's yeah. where you lived. I don't want to hear it, James, the quote professor who should probably like not be teaching people. So we're back to Dave and the story of that dark and stormy night in 93, like why we're all here. And Dave is like, oh, I forgot to say this at the top. Um, The guy who busted in was on meth. Now, the other thing that I would later figure out is that he was on crystal meth, like, and that a lot of the people I'd been meeting during the last couple of days were tweakers. I just hadn't any experience, you know, with the toothless and ruthless up to that point. I have a lot of experience with the toothless and the ruthless, yeah, Dave. I know. I know. And like, this is where, I don't know, this is where I start to feel a little bamboozled. Because if Dave knew that the whole time, then like the story of the guy saying, I just saw the bodies that were ripped limb from limb from by Sasquatch, like you had to have taken that with a grain of salt, right? Right. Because then Dave, the rest of the story is those dudes leave and the reaction of everyone else in the cabin was like, huh, that was fucking weird. Anyway, yeah. like- I think it's really important to mention that it wasn't like they said, oh, shit, Sasquatch is back. They were like, oh, wow, that's like really strong meth. Anyway, like they didn't take them seriously in the moment. I got to also say that Dave specifically references the guy that owned the cabin as busting out laughing at like the guy talking about the Sasquatch killing those three men. The guy goes out the door still like ranting about how the fact that they got to warn everybody up there. The guy that owns the place sits down and he goes, well, that was pretty fucking weird. And we all just started laughing. You know what I mean? It was like a, a release of tension kind of laughter, but we all just busted up laughing. Put a pin in that guy being a lighthearted fun time. We're going to come back to that right, later. Right, right. There's a couple totally. holes in Dave's story. I'm just saying. I agree. So Dave is meeting with another confidential informant. They go to a restaurant. Dave is like, this guy's got really good information for me. And they sit and like eat and drink all night. And the guy doesn't say a word mm-hmm. until the restaurant closes. And they're like the four people sitting at the table or whatever. And Dave describes this informant guy like leaning in close to him. Him, saying, I hear that you're looking into those three Mexican guys that greased back in 93. And he says, wow, man, that's that's pretty heavy. The informant says the name. And in the document, it was very jarring. The sound is very jarring. I hate the sound. I yeah. hate it. I yeah. hate it. I hate the sound. I get what they're trying to do. Pick a better sound. I hated it. <laughs> I know. And the point is, Dave describes this as a poker face moment. Dave thinks that this guy thinks that Dave knows who the murderer is. And Dave doesn't. And this right. guy has just told him. So Dave is now pretending to know that, like, wait, these guys weren't actually killed by a Sasquatch. And this guy just told me who actually fucking murdered these three Mexican guys. And Dave is saying the guy's name and the informant is and so whenever Dave to us says like oh they were murdered by Redacted who he shall now be known as because we don't know his name they have that stupid like scrambly sound 
And then over Dave's face, there's like a square graphic that says alleged killer. I've never seen anything like this in Hulu. I gotta say, it's pretty fucking effective. Like, it, it, it's very much like, what's happening? Like, Dave is too scared to say the guy's name. Hulu doesn't want him to say the name. I don't know. It was a turning point for me, you know? Yeah. Again, use a better sound. That scrambly sound. I hate it. Use a better... But I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I know. I know. Hulu, just, we want to cover more of your documentaries. Ooh. We listen with very, like, high-frequency uh, headphones. And so yeah. it is very scary and trying to hear a sound like that. But it's yeah. very effective. That's all. That's all I want to say. Well done, everybody. So the informant is yeah. saying the name like it's nothing. Like, it's common knowledge, right? Like, oh, redacted. So mm-hmm. then the informant's like, oh, also, like, you in danger, girl. Like, Everyone knows this, and we're going to say Redacted's name left and right, (laughs) Right. but honestly, like, this guy, Redacted, will sick the Hells Angels on you. They don't play games. They will kill you. Everyone knows it, but you should probably hightail it out of here. And Dave's like, Patrick, girl, calm down. I'm in danger constantly. Like, I'm still alive for a reason. I'm not putting the guy's name out there, so everything's totally fine. And so then we get this montage of, like, Razor and all these people sitting down for the cameras who will not talk about him. Just in case we meet him, who's... Oh... Yeah, I don't want to. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't. I just. I want to avoid talking about that guy. Avoid talking about. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to. Mm, no, 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 no. I've been like taking yeah. their mics off. Yeah, sure. Cut to Ghost Dance, who starts describing him. He's like long hair. And he um, wears a leather jacket with patches, a couple affiliation patches on it. He's got a big pickup truck. Looks like any one of a number of other deadheads. I don't know. He's a hyper guy. He's a high strung guy. He's a curious character. He was a good neighbor. He's like a hyper strung out guy. But look, he was always very nice to me. He's a good neighbor. Ghost dance. <laughs> Ghost dance high as a kite. Remember, it's great pot, great tomatoes. He is definitely smoking the pot, eating the tomatoes, playing with like the Bigfoot doll. Ghost dance does not give a fuck. He's had a great life. And he's got a great, this guy's been a great neighbor. He's probably not going to kill him tomorrow. But if he does, it doesn't matter. He's describing him. And then he's like, oh, oh, oh. Wait, 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 last thing. He was also wanted for murdering a Mexican immigrant. I don't know if you guys care about that, if that's, like, relevant in any way. I, yeah, yeah. We'll get to that in a second. I just love that Razor, who's been to San Quentin four times, like, takes the mic off and looks like he's about to cry. Like that cop describing his Bigfoot encounter from the last episode. Jimmy, are you okay, James? (laughs) Check in. I'm still worried about you. It keeps me up at night. Shaking and crying. Like a leaf. Ghost Dance is basically like, do you want his social security number? I could give it. He gave it to me. He's so nice. Yeah, that's basically what he does because he eventually does that later, essentially. Right, totally. So yeah, we learned that there was another murder that this guy, the redacted, the scrambly sound name, it was blamed on him. So this guy's name was Hugo and he was just like shot in the middle of his tent, right? And Ghost Dance is like, but this is years after 93. You only care yeah. about things that happened in 93. And we're like, Ghost Dance, everything is related, girl. Like, yes, that's right. totally yeah. relevant. And yeah. so episode two ends with Dave saying, look, I want to sit down with Redacted face to face. And Ghost Dance is yeah. like, oh, I got you, girl. I know a Hell's Angels affiliate. I'll give him a call. Actually, I'll do it right now. I'll call him right now. Hold on. You guys got time? Gets on the phone, calls his Hell's Angels affiliate. I know. I and know. episode two ends with Redacted getting on the phone with Dave. Hey. What a cliffhanger, Hulu. Thank God these all came out at once. My God. <laughs> Episode three, Monsters Among Us. Dave is on the phone with... Oh, God, we have to hear that sound again. Yeah. I know. But so Redacted, of course, declines to be involved in the documentary. However, some reason we're hearing this recorded phone call. I don't know how that works. Dave, are you okay? Check in. Blink twice if you're alive. <laughs> You guys, just a preview of what's to come. We meet some real characters in this episode. Some real characters. So Redacted is like, actually, Dave, you are in danger, girl. Like, full stop, you're in danger. Would would Spy Rock be a dangerous place for my crew and I to just, like, go and and start trying to get interviews? I I definitely wouldn't advise you go up to Spy Rock trying to figure anything out unless you have an invitation. Like, of all the things you can do, under no circumstances should you go up to Spy Rock and ask a shit ton of questions. And Dave's like, cool, great, bye. Er!" Dave goes, heads right up to Spy Rock and asks a shit ton of questions. You guys, it is just so crazy. Redacted is like, what did I just say, David? David Elizabeth, what did I just say to you? (laughs) So... Dave is like up in Spy Rock asking all these questions and the consistencies are 
There were three dudes from Mexico and also yeah. the Hells Angels are involved. So he's like, okay. And on top of that, he's starting to hear something else. He's starting to yeah. hear that these men were murdered on orders from a powerful grower in the area because apparently they got a local girl, what they say, strung out on heroin and meth. Like they messed with the wrong guy's daughter and it got him killed, right? Yeah. So suddenly in the middle of all this, Ghost Dance is back and he's like, oh, <laughs> wait, wait, I'm sorry. One more thing. I don't, this might be of interest to you, actually. I wasn't there when these events took place but from people i knew there they told me the story that probably one of the first people here to run a bigger operation was a guy they called bigfoot so this guy that you're looking for his nickname was bigfoot how about right. that Ugh. do you think that's interesting at all like is what is it this is called sasquatch probably not interesting sasquatch bigfoot but yeah <laughs> <laughs> this was where my heart dropped into my shoes. Like, I had pretty much taken the off-ramp of, like, this is not going to end with us finding Bigfoot. I didn't know for sure. And this was where I was like, oh, we've been hoodwinked. Like, totally. this is not going to be about actually finding Sasquatch and being like, she's not mean, she doesn't sing, and she doesn't, like, throw logs at people for no reason. And let me tell you, logs at people for in the middle of the day, just like, whoop, there's a log. <laughs> Bobo. So... But we did that to our very listeners last week. We were like, Bigfoot appears, but we told the truth because Bigfoot's here. Oh, God, we're part of the problem yet again. I know. And Ghost Dance is like, look, the guy had like football fields full of pot. And whenever anything went awry, people would be like, oh, Bigfoot did it. So right. now we're talking about Bigfoot, but it's the drug guy. And Dave is like, wait a second. Wait a second. Okay, can you tell this part slowly? Because I have so much to say about this. Yeah. So he's like, wait. And he's like, back in 1993, and like in real time, he's trying to go yeah. back and remember. And he's like, back in 1993. I was thinking back to that night in the cabin in 1993. And did I hear them say, a Bigfoot killed those guys? Or did I hear them say Bigfoot killed those guys? Here's the thing, Hulu. I love you so much and thank you for the screeners. I am a little bit upset because, like, wow, uh, we are getting into semantics here and it makes me mad. Because I think David thinks he heard them say Sasquatch, you know? Because these people don't say Bigfoot. They say Sasquatch. They're, they're how do you say, they're Squatchers, Squatchers? Right, but those people aren't, like, involved in this drug dealing scene. These are people who just, like, got high in college and they were like, I I'm going to believe in Bigfoot and try to hunt him now. What I'm saying, though, is that the people in this region don't say Bigfoot. They don't say Bigfoot. They say Sasquatch. So, like, when this guy busted in, he didn't say, oh, I just saw three bodies that Bigfoot killed. He said Sasquatch. And that is the name of this series. So now we're being just like, I feel hoodwinked. This is the first time David has been like, oh, maybe they were talking about a person and not an, a creature from the forest. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. I feel like they are intentionally calling this documentary Sasquatch so we'll think it's about finding an actual Sasquatch when really they knew all along that it was going to be about a person named Bigfoot. I see what you're saying. I don't know. This was just the moment that I really was like, we really we really aren't going to find Bigfoot in this. This not, That's not really how this is going to end. Yeah, because then it seems like, well, they knew all along kind of because Dave yeah. like has some cop guy who again has to have his voice disguised and Dave is like... When I lay this story on this cop, about an old-time grower on Spyrock known or nicknamed as Bigfoot. Without missing a beat, he's like, that sounds like Bigfoot Gary. And the cop's like, oh shit, you mean Bigfoot Gary? Fuck yeah, everybody knows Bigfoot Gary. And I'm like, Bigfoot Gary? Okay, so what's the deal with Bigfoot Gary? Which is, I cannot believe I'm saying that. I know. So it's like, okay, everyone knows Bigfoot Gary. He's got a rap sheet a mile long. He's been around yeah. for decades. Like, it's just like all this crazy shit, right? So Dave is like, I, all right, now he has like snitches, as he says, asking on his behalf. Because right. now Dave wants to link Redacted and Bigfoot Gary together that's a sentence and it also like uh we're just really starting to reach here because he's saying that like like we're trying to connect the guy like this this redacted guy and maybe being responsible for this one murder as also being connected to this the three murders that we've been investigating from the beginning like there's just a lot of like i don't know we're reaching for some stuff here yes and then just another we're going right off a cliff here 
Dave yeah. goes to meet with another informant, another grower who, again, you can't understand a word she say because her voice is disguised. She oh my also God, you guys. just on it like she is on meth. Dave says so. She says so. We're also meeting in the Boomers Bar parking lot again. This is where informants meet their sources. Like I'm just telling you, yeah. That always be looking in cars there because someone's ratting you out. Right. And so she confirms. Yep. Bigfoot Gary is totally a person. Uh, he's a big time grower. They call him Bigfoot Gary because he has big feet and he runs around barefoot. You guys. No. Also, like, put the shoes on. You're in the middle of the forest. A snake is going to bite your fucking heel. Like, put shoes on, Bigfoot Gary. But also, this is a place that has a Bigfoot museum. It's Bigfoot Highway, the Bigfoot Motel. Don't just act like that. Like, oh, out of nowhere. he's. I mean, yeah. it's Bigfoot country. Don't act like it's because he has big feet. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah, I know. Just level with me, anonymous yeah. informant. Just be honest. So Dave, David is asking this informant about Hugo, who's a, that was like the standalone homicide, and then also talking about the triple homicide. You hear her like sort of cut him off and go, oh my God, oh my God. David doesn't stop talking for some reason. And uh, the connection between that case and um, a triple murder that I've heard about that happened in 1993 in a spot near Iron Mountain. That's what physically murders my son witnessed. Well, actually, I know about a double homicide that my five-year-old witnessed. It's insane. She's describing this murder that happened in front of her kid where two men were, like, shot at point-blank range so close that he got blood on his mouth and actually yeah. tasted their blood. Like, a five-year-old. On his first day of kindergarten, too. Oh, my God. I know. I will tell you, it might just be that Daisy does not like telling us anything about what she does ever. Huh? <laughs> That's a real thing with her. But uh -huh. I was like... I feel like fi a five-year-old being able to tell his mother about a double homicide that he witnessed, that sounded a little unbelievable to me. She's also trans. She's telling you. She didn't say it verbatim. He probably said it in five-year-old speak. And now she's telling us, like, what maybe happened, you know? I don't think he said, Mom, I saw a double homicide today on my way to school. Greater question, why does Daisy not even want to tell me how her day went at school? I don't know, girl. Ask her about Bigfoot <laughs> when you get home. Ask her what she says. I'm telling you right now, if I were to show Daisy a picture of Bigfoot, she would scream until I got her one as a pet. That's all she wants. True. She just wants as many pets as possible. It looks like a big fucking hamster. She'd be super into Bigfoot. All right. Good for Daisy. Finally. I'm not raising a monster, Jillian. I know. She likes animals and she's like, yeah. well, likes to keep to herself. Yeah. Well, who does that sound like? I know. <laughs> and, but this is like a harrowing story. I'm using that word again. So the thing is, David thinks that this might be his triple homicide. He's like really focused on it. We get a voice memo. This is another thing that this documentary does. Like, if he has a thought, he records it on his phone and we get some of them in the documentary. He wakes up at 3... He, like, is awake at 3 a.m. in his hotel room and he's like... It's about uh, 3 a.m., about 10 hours after I met with in the parking lot of Boomers and uh, maybe no contact eye, like a tweaker contact eye because I can't sleep. It's sort of tossing and turning. My mind's spinning in circles uh, going over what she uh, laid on me in the car. She was on crystal meth or whatever in the car, and he's like, she had offered him some, and he says he declined. But he can't sleep at 3 in the morning, so he thinks he's got, like, a secondhand tweaker's high. And he really thinks that, like, she, they might be talking about the same homicide. And I'm like, but girl, you are convinced that a Sasquatch ripped three men limb from limb, and this woman is describing, like, an assassination of two, it's not the same thing. I don't think Dave thinks the Sasquatch did it. I know, no, no, I'm just going back. Back to that for me. Oh, okay. But no, so then like Dave gets the informant to come to the hotel room because he wants to like really pin her down on the date, which is weird that he didn't ask her for the date the when she brought it up the first time. Yeah, because Dave does this thing where he doesn't want to lead them. He asks them. He doesn't want to say like, so it was 93, right? It was 93. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. like through all these questions, she's like, no, because my son was born and like it had to have been around 96. And so right. like the dates don't match up. But Dave is like becoming upset. And he's like, it is not lost on me. And it's like the same obsession that drives squatchers to spend half their lives in the woods. They do it because they're obsessed. Am I just doing the same shit? Am I just like out there running around the woods, like convinced that I'm just one move away from like really cracking this case and being able to explain exactly what happened in 1993? I am a squatcher for Bigfoot Gary, basically. <laughs> 
So he's like now just running all over town with this urgency in his voice, asking people if they know Bigfoot Gary and if they can be in touch. You guys know a guy named Bigfoot Gary lives around here? No. You ever heard of Bigfoot Gary? Never heard of him. Is he a Bigfoot hunter? I guess I am if I'm looking for a guy named Bigfoot Gary. You guys, if you've learned nothing else through this documentary, don't go up to this area and ask for people. Don't stand out. We are getting all of this audio of him running from place to place asking anybody if they know Bigfoot Gary. I am terrified for me. I'm terrified for him. I calm down a little bit when he goes into the liquor store because I'm thinking yes. he's going to get a bottle of Chardonnay and calm down. Totally. That's not what happens, girl. What happened to cool guy Dave who like could I hang know. with the criminals and be as cool as a cucumber in <laughs> a bowl of hot sauce? Like he's just yeah. like, so I and I'm like, I've never met him, but like, is he nice? Like, what do you know about Bigfoot Gary? And I'm like, Dave. He's talking to this lady who works at the liquor store. She's the, no one told Karen she wasn't supposed to let on that she knew Bigfoot Gary. Right. So when he's talking to like Chardonnay Karen, he's like, do you know Bigfoot Gary? She's like, yes, I absolutely know that guy. Question for you. I'm a documentary filmmaker and I'm uh, I'm looking for somebody who lives around here and I heard he's a regular here being Bigfoot Gary. Uh, yeah. You know Bigfoot Gary? I, I know Gary. Dave starts to ask questions and you hear Chardonnay Karen start to realize she's given away too much. She's like trying to grab the words and put them back in her mouth, but they're gone now. They're out there now. Like, what is he doing? Like, it feels almost like he's trying to, like, find him by any means necessary. Even if that means that, like, Bigfoot Gary is going to come to the parking lot and try to kill him. Like, he's trying to, like, draw him out by any means possible. Right. So then we meet another informant who is wearing 15 scarves and 11 bandanas and it has the gall to be like it's really hot and uncomfortable wearing all this <laughs> then get on the phone then don't go out and meet in person if you don't want to drape yourself in 37 scarves and we don't get a lot of context for this meeting with this informant it's very weird and I was like the bandana's a little over the top like can you just trust Dave that he's not going to use your face or your voice you know what I mean it's getting annoying like I know that their lives are in danger I totally get why they want to be careful but it's a little much then talk on the phone then don't go face to face them it's so annoying but so this guy is just like well here's what I know about Bigfoot Gary he used to work for Bigfoot Gary like this was one of Bigfoot Gary's employees this is like as close as Dave has gotten since Chardonnay Karen right right which was like up the block yeah so this guy is just like yeah so those three guys they raped Bigfoot Gary's daughter yeah so like and we've heard smatterings of this story throughout that like if the story of these three guys is real then it's probably because like we know that his daughter was raped they messed with the wrong family it's a very crazy story and guys this isn't real so just bear with us so we can tell you this part of the story but like the theory is these quote three Mexican guys got this girl all strung out she got too messed up these three guys raped her Bigfoot Gary found out about it and killed them for it. And this is where Dave has that moment where he's like, if he had those three guys killed because they raped his daughter, fucking good for him, you know? As far as I'm concerned, every rapist in the world deserves to die screaming and alone and in pain in the woods. Well, if that's what happened, I think it's hilarious and they got what they had coming. Yeah, like, fuck those dudes. And then he's like, wait a second. On the other hand, if Gary is a, quote, racist fuck, that's another story. And I'm like, I'm going with the racism. Yeah, because remember, we it was not that long ago that we lived in a country where our president was saying that all Mexicans were murderers and rapists. Like, this was having real echoes from, like, things that were happening at the time. So this is what now Dave has to get to the bottom of. And then, like, through a couple texts, Dave is on the phone with Bigfoot Gary's wife, Carolyn, and she is furious, <laughs> and she's just yelling at Dave. This whole thing happens very fast. Dave is up the mountain trying to find Bigfoot Gary. He does not get cell service up there. When he gets <laughs> off the mountain, all of a sudden his phone is like, bring, bring, bring. He's got a bunch of text messages from Bigfoot Gary's wife, Carolyn, who's like, you got the wrong guy. You're getting bad information. Here's my number. You better fucking call me. So then they're like, she's like yelling at Dave about like, how dare you? How very dare you? And then she's like, yeah. but look. My husband is... How should I put this? Um, he's kind of a dick, okay? <laughs> okay. He's not on everybody. He's Christmas with in Mendocino County. <laughs> a lot of people talk shit about him, but I don't really understand why they're calling him a murderer. 
honestly, my husband's a dick, okay? And nobody likes him. And he's like not on everyone's Christmas card list. Yeah. But he's not a murderer. He's a total dick and like super hard to live with and really just a pain in the ass. But he's definitely not a murderer. So back off, Dave. But then we also get the sense because you, you hear Carolyn yelling at Dave, but then also not yelling at Dave, but then yelling at Dave and then sort of talking to somebody next to her. And Dave is like, sorry, is Gary sitting right next to you? <laughs> can you just, like, can I just get on the phone with Gary? And, and also, can you just tell, like, does he know redacted? Yes or no? Like, this is what I'm trying to do. Just put Gary on the goddamn phone, please. And so Gary gets on the phone. You guys, this is like what this has all been leading to. We've been trying so hard to find the guy that maybe killed these three Mexican guys. We're now on the phone with who Dave thinks is the guy. And Gary just says, uh, it sounds to me like you're tracking down an outlandish story. You are tracking down an outlandish story. It's like, okay. <laughs> The wife, Claudia, had been like, this murder happened in 1993. He didn't even move here until 1997, girl. Then when he's on the phone with Gary, he's saying to Gary, like, so you're telling me that you did not have a daughter that got raped by these three Mexican men in 1993? And you hear Carolyn in the background screaming, No! 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 He only has one daughter and it's with me! She was born in 2000! And I'm like, all of a sudden, I look, Carolyn and I meet at the Bigfoot bar every Monday for Musical Mondays. I understand Carolyn. I get her. She's an investor in Bigfoot vodka. Totally. <laughs> we make Bigfoot vodka cosmos. If you're out of Bigfoot vodka cosmos, it's different. Yeah. And so, and it turns out that like, you know, the on-screen text says public records show Gary didn't, you know, have a daughter at, at any age in 1993. Yeah. Like Bigfoot Gary is just a fucking hard to get along with guy who has his nickname is Bigfoot. He's not yeah. involved. And Dave's like, you were there, Gary. God damn it. Admit it. You were there in 93. And they're like, no, girl. Like, nope. No. And I got to tell you, I would go to a dinner party at Bigfoot Gary and Claudia's house. I would absolutely go. I would definitely have like a, oh, I would have a contingency. Like, oh, I might have to leave early so that when I leave. Because you know, if yeah. you started to get up, he'd be like, where do you think you're going? You didn't have any plans. You came... So I'd have to have some kind of like fake emergency kind of brewing. I feel like Gary and Claudia are also prone to bickering. You know what I mean? They're like the gays from the other episode. But not as fun. No. It gets really real, really fast. Well, Claudia does not back down. I feel like Claudia kind of runs that house. You know what I mean? Claudia would hate both of us. Like she'd be yelling at me immediately. I don't think you she would think? like it. No, I think that Claudia and I can meet at the Bigfoot bar for musical Mondays. I think we'd be okay. But you better play your cards right. Because the minute, like, it'll take, like, that, she'll be over it. So just, like, watch your watch your tone. Just watch yeah. it. All right, I'll watch all right. So now Dave is like, all right, everybody, five, six, seven, eight, we're going from the top. With these kinds of investigations, you get a lead, right, or you see a path that you want to follow. And then you start following that path away from square one. And then you wind up, like, pretty far deep into the labyrinth. And when that happens, that's when you need to go back to the beginning. You need to go back to square one and be like, what have I missed? I have no idea what's going on. Let's go back to 1993. And I'm yeah. like, Dave, it's pretty obvious what happened, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Bigfoot didn't do it. Like, that's my, that's my big note here. Like, the murderer was not Sasquatch. Right. So we're back to 1993, 5678, everybody from the top positions, please. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So he wants to talk to the guy who owned this farm back in 1993, the dark and stormy night. That's story why we're here. The, like the cabin where he was. And the thing was, if he said over and over and over again, this guy was unfindable. Like I would never be able to remember, remember where I was or who the owner of the farm was or where the farm was. Suddenly we're just on the fucking phone with the guy. I know. So the, like the guy picks up the phone and the first thing he says is no names. Don't say anyone's name. Hello, this is David. No names. Don't say his name. So this guy is super no fun right from the top. And remember when Dave's original telling was after that, like the guy that was on meth came in and I like just saw the bodies that Sasquatch ripped limb from limb. He specifically says the owner of the house was like laughing with wild abandon. Like what a silly right. goose that guy was. No, uh, yeah. this guy does not say things like silly goose. Not this guy. Because Dave even says to the filmmakers like, don't fucking put movie whoever is editing this i'm yep. serious this is good fucking that, yep. of any that, okay if i'm scared about it trust me i'm a reason to be i get a bad vibe from that guy don't put this guy's fucking name in this because i get really yeah. bad vibes from him like more than bigfoot gary like bigfoot gary is not like the least of my problems at this point yeah don't, <laughs> claudia don't cross claudia or the guy who owned the cabin not oh either of the two of them so because you can't understand a goddamn word this guy says because of his voice is is disguised so what happens the story that this 
owner guy says is like, look, those three guys needed to go. That's the bottom line here. Th- those three guys who were killed, they had to go. And the reason was that like, yeah. he was like the Mexican, he says this, these are not my words, they're his. Yeah. He's like, the Mexicans were becoming a problem. And I'm like, well, you're racist trash is what's happening, right? Totally racist trash. And what he's saying is that like, here's what the Mexicans would do. You guys, I hate saying this. I don't believe this for a second. This is not what fucking happened, but this is no. what the owner of the cabin said. Back in the day, the Mexicans were super eager to get in on the pot growth where we were and they would remember the old timers the back to the boomers the back to the earthers or whatever back to the land they would go and work for them because they were old and infirm and they they weren't in control of things and they would like work for them as day laborers and then quickly be like but now we own your farm and what are you gonna do about it and meanwhile all the back to the landers are like those dudes were fucking great they were just trying to make a living and keep themselves safe like no one has said anything like this at all like people have been racist for sure but this is the first we're hearing about it it's all bullshit so then someone on meth is like somebody at this meeting made the comment of like fuck i wish we had like chupacabras around here we could scare these guys off and then immediately someone was like we got something better than chupacabra chupacabra that's another fake i mean that is a fake folklore (laughs) thing i didn't know what that was and i couldn't spell the word so i just said scary animal (laughs) oh chupacabras oh yeah Yeah. it's kind of like a new folklore thing it's like not it's not as ages old so someone's like yeah no chupacabras they're fine but you know we have we have the sasquatch story you just drove by the bigfoot motel on your way here like (laughs) let's start rumors that sasquatches are terrorizing weed farmers and that's what they did they would like find what they call chatterboxes, like guys who wanted to gossip, people who were on meth, people who were just very agreeable, and they were like, here's what happened. And Dave looks at us and he's like, oh my God. They basically framed Sasquatch for the murder. These dope growers framed Sasquatch for a triple murder. They framed Sasquatch for a triple murder. (laughs) How could they do this to her? And he's like, that makes so much sense because those were the rumors I was hearing. Remember, all these back to the earthers, is that what what they're called? Back to the landers. (laughs) Back to the landers. We're like, we've heard all these rumors, but we've never actually seen a Sasquatch. So like, we're learning that these rumors were created. Everybody heard them, but nobody actually saw a Sasquatch because Sasquatches are real, but they don't live in this part of the world, it turns out. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. And I do. so basically, this guy, the guy who owned the cabin where Dave was saying, knows that these three Mexicans were murdered because they were, quote, like, didn't know their place or were like trying to encroach on the land or whatever and they had to make an example of them then they get one of these like guys who's addicted to meth to go look at the bodies they tell this guy that sasquatch ripped them apart and that's what happened like that's how this rumor got spread right and that's sort of it and then it's like all of like the last 10 minutes are about like you know why people create stories to demonize people and empower themselves and then it's like remember like where the story started with like white people just raping and brutalizing indigenous people like that's sort of the same thing just like saying mexicans are like encroaching and raping like that's not happening everybody it's not it's just not and it's like i don't understand why you had to bring sasquatch into it she just wants to be left alone she She wants to go stink in her own part of the world and be left alone and be very 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 real i don't see a thing wrong with that if i'm being honest (laughs) with you the more we talk about her the more i see myself in sasquatch (laughs) just leave me alone Oh my God, you guys, we did Sasquatch Hulu. Thank you for making this. Thank you for giving it to us early. Oh my God, girl. Are you okay? I mean, I know you felt bamboozled because we were bamboozled, yeah. no question. But are you? were you still happy to talk Sasquatch a little and Bigfoot? I really was. I really liked this. We will eventually find a great Sasquatch documentary that we can talk about that really does prove that Sasquatch is a real thing and she's really out there. Yeah. I'm obsessed with her. You guys, don't forget, we've got a live show in two days. It's our first virtual live show. It's going to be so amazing. Thursday, May 20th, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We are covering Unraveled, the Long Island serial killer. It's going to be bananas. And if you can't make it to that, still buy a ticket because it's going to be, the whole show will be live for two full days. 48 hours so you can watch it even if you can't be there live. Yeah, come hang and it's going to be really interactive. It's going to be great. Don't, It's not going to be boring. No. I promise. And also join us on the Patreon. Over 200 full bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. All the series you guys ever want us to cover, it's all there. It's so much GP in me, you can't even stand it. I mean, you can't. It's almost like, is it real? I know. 
It's all. It's like the Sasquatch <laughs> of Patreon. Like, is it? Can you even believe it? Like, yes, it's all real. It's all there for you. Girl, what are we doing next? Oh, we work. God. We work or. The making and breaking of a $47 billion unicorn. We are Dragon WeWork. I gotta tell you, we used to work at a WeWork. Like our studio, we we were in a WeWork for a year recording this podcast. And I'm talking about all of it. I'm airing everything. Totally. We had a horrible experience there. I'm saying every last detail. Once again, we are part of the problem, girl. Look, we didn't know. Look, <laughs> wait, know. If you, have you watched this documentary yet? We were not, we were there because it was convenient. Totally. Yeah, no, I have not watched this documentary. I cannot wait. You guys, follow us on Instagram, True Crime Obsessed Podcast. Join the Facebook group, True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. Stay tuned for the trailer for the WeWork documentary. What's it called? It's too long. Just WeWork. It's like WeWork or the making or breaking of a $47 billion. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's the WeWork doc. That thing and our funny and hilarious and brilliant outtakes, girl. I think they're going to be a lot. I don't know. I know. All right. We love you guys. We love you. Thanks for hanging. Bye friend of mine called me up and said there's this new thing i can't tell you anything about it right now i promise you are going to want to be a part of it the next revolution is the we revolution adam newman sounded like a mythical figure but it was a lot of smoke and mirrors when somebody tells you they're changing the world and you are helping them do that it feels really special the future it's about being part of something greater than yourself I believed every word that came out of Adam's mouth. Adam told me I was going to be a millionaire. WeWork wanted to become the next Facebook, the next Google. It became this poster child for this growing trend of flexible offices. They had already reached a billion dollar valuation. WeWork was the most overvalued company in the world. A sales guy comes to me and he says, this is some kind of cult. Are you profitable? Right now, we're in a very high growth stage. You can actually choose when to be profitable. What? We had tracking bracelets on. Look, I'm not kidding you. You would talk about being president of the world. You tell a 30-something male he's Jesus Christ, he's inclined to believe you. I literally made a note. I hate this guy so much. I'm not writing down anything he's saying. He is so bored. He's like, monsters aren't born. They're made. We make them. All monsters are human made. We make them up because we need them to exist so we can give a shit about something for once in our lives. Are we done? I'm done. Bye. Look, I didn't want to have to say it like this, but if you don't believe in Sasquatch, you're not fun. If you don't believe in Sasquatch, you're just not a fun person, and that's just it. Oh, bullshit. No. <laughs> nope. All right, fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll make the Bigfoot vodka. Yes. I mean, I'm still doing that. Give me the papers to sign. I will sign right now. I also love that this this section begins with David asking if he can film Captain Espinosa, and he's like, yeah, fine, whatever. This is the first time in any documentary we've ever watched where a cop is totally fine with being filmed. I thought we were going back to murder on Middle Beach because it's like, I know. So the point of view of Dave's camera is like in his pocket, and I was like, is he secretly doing this? And then he's like, hey, bro, is it cool? And I'm like, why'd you do that? <laughs> we've been bamboozled yet again. And the other day, okay, sorry, this is a real true story that happened. She was in the, in the elevator, she was playing with her bangs, She pushed him to the side. I said, you're so pretty, Daisy. She goes, I know, I look like Jillian. This is a true story. She did not say that. She literally said that. She says, I know, I look like Jillian. (gasps) She said that. That's like gonna make me cry. That's really sweet. (laughs) Thank you for telling me that. That's like, that made my whole day, really. Her heart grew two sizes that day, you guys. Thanks, Daisy, sweetheart. 